Thank you for tuning in to the Foundations Ministry Podcast. We are a sexual addiction ministry located in Fort Worth, Texas. To learn more about us, you can go to our website at www.foundationstexas.com. Hello, this is Sam, the leader of the Foundation Sexual Addiction Ministry here in Fort Worth, Texas. And I'm glad you're taking some time to sit down and just listen as we go through these various recovery topics. You know, back when I was doing my recovery program, I, as I went through the various different steps, specifically as I went through steps four and five, because I was doing a 12-step program, uh, which for those of you that don't know, that's where you do a fearless and searching moral inventory, and then you share it with another person. And our variation on this in the program I was doing was that as opposed to how many other groups uh, have orchestrated these programs that I'm aware of, of just doing a writing out of the inventory and then sitting down and reading it in one setting. We would, uh, we would write out our inventory, just like everyone else does, using this particular template of all our fears, resentments, harms, and sexual harms, because I'm a sex addict. And after I had written all that up, over the course of multiple meetings, uh, multiple multi-hour meetings, uh, generally on Saturday mornings, about two to three hours every time, I would meet with a group of men who were willing to not only listen to what I was reading out loud, but ask me questions about it and help me to see the truth. Uh, So it was a very exhaustive process, very exhaustive, and a lot of insights and, and just benefit comes out of that, as the men, uh, myself and others that I've helped walk through it, can attest to. But one thing that really became clear to me as I was going through my inventory was this immense level of disrespect I had for my father. And it was interesting to see for me, because I was starting to get to that place where I really wanted to do the right thing. And I, I wasn't very good at recognizing what that was, to be fair. But it was very obvious to me that I had this immense disrespect for my father. I recall it hit home most poignantly when I was watching an old home-recorded video I had done. uh, and, And in that video, I walked by and my dad was laying on a couch and I made some snide remark about him being lazy or something like that. And it just struck me how incredibly disrespectful it was. How incredibly arrogant my attitude was towards my father. Now, my father has issues, had much worse issues at the time, but he had issues. So it's it's not that it's like ignoring the fact that he had these shortcomings, if you will, but it was was on a focus on my side of the street and then looking at what can I do to engage with my dad? What can I do? So I purposed within myself and I got feedback about it to make sure it was healthy was that I was going to find ways to interact with my dad in areas that I could clearly respect him. Areas, opportunities, if you will, to show respect. And at this time, he, he, he still had a lot of rough edges. And so, so it was about finding those areas. And I found several areas where it was really easy for me to go, you know, this is an area I can, I can show my respect, I can communicate my respect, I can tell him how much I appreciate him. And work with him in that area. Invite him into my life in this area. And what's interesting about this is that over the years, my father has radically changed. And uh, and we've developed just 
what I consider just to be a wonderful relationship, and I love him dearly. Um, but one of the things is, is he's also radically changed over those years. His rough edges have become quite a bit smoother, uh, and it's enabled us to have an intimacy that I really didn't know existed at the time of beginning this journey uh, of growth and healing. But fundamental to this journey was a concept I, I want to explore, and that concept was grace. It, it was a recognition that I came to at this time, though I couldn't have put words to it in this way. It was still there. The, the grain of truth was there at my, at my core being, and it's not to my credit I had it. I had lots of feedback to help me find these things. But this core grain of truth was that, these, that, that I need to interact with him from a level of choosing to love him independent of him. Essentially making a choice that I'm going to love this person independent of how they operate or act. I'm going to find any way I can, which we can't always find a way. But in this case, there was opportunity. Uh, I'm going to find the way I can interact with him lovingly. So that doesn't mean disregarding boundaries. It doesn't mean getting rid of anything like that. But the focus was essentially giving something, not because it was merited, Not because he deserved me to find a way to show him respect. Deserved for me to find a way to engage with him lovingly. Though you could argue he did it. That's not the point. The point is that's not the foundation of the action. The foundation of the action is I am making a choice to give it. And I'm giving it not because he is deserving of it. But because I was experiencing that kind of gift from other men. Like I said, the intensive process that I walked through, one of the the amazing aspects that comes out of that is that other men were willing to sacrifice their time and their energy to spend all these hours with me, to talk with me, to take my phone calls, to help me process through the reality of my life and help me figure it out and deal with my ugliness. Uh, I've got uh, my issues are intense and I can get very angry and very aggressive and I'll go into a lot of uh, pouts and, and I'm very hostile when I'm that way. Sometimes I'll argue with you a lot. These men were willing to deal with all that ugliness and walk with me towards that health and they didn't get anything from it. Not really. I mean, heck, I, I don't even live up in, uh, it was in Alaska where I was doing this. I don't even live there anymore. I'm down here in Texas. They don't even get the benefit of of my continued contribution to what they're doing. And so looking at that, that that was just a template of what was actually happening was that that was God working in my life. That was God showing his grace in my life. That was those men were representatives of his kind of love. And from that foundation, I was able to start building that kind of attitude. And not perfectly. I, I don't, don't mistake this for being a candy-coated image of perfection and constant vertical growth. There's a lot of rough spots in myself and in my, in my father as our relationship matured. But growth nonetheless. Obvious, clear, present growth. And it required that grace. And that's the essential point I want to make here is that grace is is the essential component to healthy relationships. There is no other way to develop anything healthy outside of grace. But I have to have a proper understanding of what grace really means, don't I? The Christian answer, the, the most succinct one I've heard, is that grace is the unmerited favor. Right? It's I prefer to think of it as uh, in contrasts. If mercy 
is when I deserve a punishment but do not get it. So that's mercy. Mercy is I deserve a punishment but do not get it. So I steal something from you. I deserve a punishment and you show mercy by not inflicting that punishment upon me. That would be mercy. Uh, Grace is the step beyond mercy where I've stolen something and I, I not only do you not give me the punishment I deserve, you give me more. You give me beyond what I could possibly have earned. I'm in the case where I am the perpetrator, and yet you still choose to engage with me uh, at a level that is healthy. It'd be like, be like I stole $100 from you, and now I'm in need for money, and you give me money. That would be grace. That's what that would be. That would be grace, because I have no, no bearing to merit what you are giving to me. An understanding that that's what grace really is, what it's not. What grace is not is me pretending that the actions that happen didn't happen. It's not boundarylessness. It's not codependency. The wife who refuses to set limitations on the addictive husband is not showing him grace. She is showing codependence. Grace is not real if it does not have limits. Unlimited grace in the sense that everyone all the time gets what they don't deserve in a good sense, all the time, 100% of the time, uh, gets that. No matter what they do, there's never an ultimate consequence to their behaviors, is no longer grace. Right? It's turned into, at best, codependency, but really a great evil. Just like we're all for mercy, But there's a time when mercy needs to give way to justice. And if it doesn't ever give way to justice, then mercy ceases to be good and ceases instead to be something very evil because it enables the evil to go forward with no consequence. So grace is not not an attitude of there are no consequences. Grace is an attitude of I am giving opportunities that are not merited. I am offering something that they cannot in any way justify me offering it. In the sense that someone spits in your face and does this repeatedly and you you choose, I'm going to offer you the opportunity for friendship. Now, does that mean I go within spitting distance? (laughs) Well, no, no. It means, though, that I'm willing to engage. I'm willing to walk down that way. I'm willing to have a relationship. It doesn't remove the need for boundaries, to remove the need for these lines to be drawn of here's how we can safely interact. And I'm willing to work with you, but it's always focused on creating the best opportunity for for them to be able to interact with me healthily, to engage with people with grace. And not just for me to give grace, Is a relationship necessary? I must also uh, be engaged with people that are giving me grace. Now that's the harder part, right? Where do I find people that will give me grace? And I say it's only really found in the person of Jesus Christ. Because he gave us grace. He paid for everything and we're free because of it. I mean, how amazing is that? We're free because of his grace. 
And so when we examine our relationships, how do I go forward and give grace to other people? I do it because I've been given it, right? We forgive because we've been forgiven, right? The only one with the right to demand that I forgive other people has demanded that I forgive other people. You could demand I forgive other people, but you have no merit. You have no basis for it, right? But Jesus tells me to forgive other people. I'm like, you know, he's got a basis for it. He's got a foundation because he's forgiven me. He's forgiven me. He's got a foundation for saying I need to forgive others. And so when it comes to grace, I give grace from that grace with which I have already been given. I give from what I have, and I have what I've been given. So if I'm getting that from other people, eventually I'll run dry. But if I'm getting that from an unlimited source, from a source that has an infinite amount of this ability to give grace, then I'll give it. But wait a second, you say, well, didn't I just say that if grace never ends, if it never gives way to justice, then um, then it's actually a great evil? Well, you're absolutely right. You see, but the point is, is I don't have to worry about when it gives way to justice in the ultimate sense. I just worry about making sure I set up the boundaries. Because for me, I'm not worried about making sure justice happens to this person if it's not within my responsibility to make that happen. I am focused instead on my responsibilities before God and how I manage those. So if I'm a wife and I have kids, one of my responsibilities is to protect the kids. So managing that responsibility and recognizing, yes, to give grace, but not at the expense or harm of other people, the children in this case. Yes, to give grace, to give opportunity for restoration, right? but not at the harm of myself. That is to say, if I've got an abusive husband or a man who is, who is repetitively refusing to actually change, whether in action, where his actions are repetitively, continuously failing, or in, uh, in words, where he's openly communicating he has no interest in changing. To offer grace in those situations, again, doesn't remove the need for setting up those limitations, but the ability to continually offer the opportunity that only comes from that unlimited supply of Christ. Because that's what he does for us. He he constantly is offering the opportunity to choose him. Despite how terrible we are, despite all the vile things that I've done, I have the opportunity to choose him. Because I'll tell you the truth, I don't deserve it. I know my history. I know the vile things I've engaged in. I know the level of debauchery I've gone to, and I don't deserve it. As my mentor told me many, many years ago, I was young when I started the program. He said, Sam, I've, I've done far worse things than you, but I was nowhere nearly as messed up as you are when I was your age. It stuck with me. And he was right. My goodness, was I seriously messed up. And uh, examining this reality, that that grace that's given to me, I now need to turn around and give it to other people. I need to fight the resentments and criticality that I've used as justifications for my current unhealthy behavior. Most men have to learn how to fight this with their spouses first, which is kind of weird if you think about it. If you're not an addict and you hear this, you might think, oh, that's odd. Why would a man struggle with resenting his wife? Because I am not a healthy person. And I have tended to blame her for many different issues in my life. She's either not been sexy enough. She's not been kind enough. She's not been pleasant enough. She's not smart enough. She's not accomplished enough. Whatever it is that I put out there as a standard, because that's part of how I justify myself. And if I want that relationship to heal, I must start giving grace. And the fascinating thing about that is it has nothing to do with what my wife chooses to do. 
It has everything to do with what I'm choosing to do. Am I offering the opportunity? Am I giving the greatest opportunity for things to actually change? No, am I doing that? Then from a spouse's perspective, it's the same thing. Many times the greatest opportunity for someone to change is when they experience real hard consequences for their choices. That's a loving thing. It's a bit like letting the employee go who refuses to show up on time. That is a very loving action. Going, you know, I understand you need the money, but you're refusing to be responsible with this. Here's the lesson. And I'm sorry, I'm I'm the one that has to teach it to you, but... Quite frankly, I'm bummed that people will put me in a position where I need to teach them that lesson, but that's life. And there is a loving foundation upon which to take even the most extreme actions. To do it because I care about that person, because I care about where they're going and what's going to happen if I continue to engage with them the way that I'm engaging with them. And that's really important when I set up strong boundaries, which is probably a topic for another time. That's something to mention all the same. Grace is fundamental. It's fundamental. It is, it is the outworking of the love that I understand, of a selfless love. And that only comes from an independence I find in being centered on Christ. If I'm not independent, I cannot offer this kind of grace, which means my relationships will always be strained. Always be strained. I'm always reliant on me getting something from them or getting it from someone else so I can give it to them. Either way, it's, it's never going to be enough. It's always going to be in this position where, where we're grinding one another at some level or another. Even if we pretend that everything's fine, when examined closely, it's really easy to see if there's not grace. So let's, let's make sure to establish that within our lives because it's it's so important and recognize that it comes first from Christ and if if I if I don't recognize that then I don't know where I'm going to get this this supernatural supply of ability to do the right thing so that's where we should start that's where we should focus in on and then after that to focus on how do I now act out this grace with those immediately around me, my, my wife, my kids, and then in the next level of sphere, my co-workers, my uh, extended family, and then out to, uh, to whoever else I, I have the opportunity to interact with. So it applies at all levels, all levels. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, it's an amazing thing to see what God does in, in others' lives. I've seen him do it in my life, and I know he's wanting to work, and uh, if you work with men or women, he's wanting to work in your life. Uh, he which hath begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion even until the day of Jesus Christ. So there is no end to what he is willing and capable of doing to transform even the most vile of backgrounds. And I speak from personal experience and the, uh, the many years I've seen other men uh, change. I encourage you, if you're in the area, get into meetings. Uh, we don't walk this road alone. We don't do it effectively. As I shared, I saw examples of God's grace through other people. I've talked before why God uses other people because we're commanded to be in relationship. He wants us to interact relationally. And part of that relationship is with the horizontal, with our fellow man. And then the other part is the vertical with him. So we need to be in that. Get involved. Um, 
If you're in the area, you can attend our meetings. We've got them on Tuesdays and uh, Saturdays. You can go to the website to look those up. And if you're not in the area, find groups. They are everywhere nowadays. And if there's nothing out there, then, then make one. Make one. Go to your pastor and see if you can get a group of guys together that are willing to hold each other accountable. Normally, there's at least a few guys out there who are also looking to be healthy. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen. I hope you have a great day, and I will talk with you later.